Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us.com. My name's TJ. I'm joined today by, I feel like, two special guests, because it's been a while, with uh, David, though, of the media by us.com. First time, long time. <laughs> and uh, Al's here again to help us out. I'm back. Brent is uh, on vacation, and uh, Chris still loving the weather, but he'll be fine. Mm, I'll he'll, try to He'll be it. back. Yeah. So, uh, left to our own devices, we're going to do something different today. But first, we're going to start with Breezy on the Streets, which is weird, since Breezy's not here, <laughs> and we've never done that before. Shout out to Breezy on the Streets. I think we've all got a little something. Um, I'm going to bring up something real quick that I just read this morning. Uh, Glow Season 3 is now on Netflix. It's a show that we all liked a lot. You watch Glow too? I have not seen it. Uh, I feel like it's up your alley, man. Yeah, but I've seen it's just like reposted on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. and me, somebody who like, doesn't have never watched a second of wrestling in my life, Unless it was like on a TV, I was walking by. Um, love the show, and season three is its uh, most well-reviewed season on Metacritic. Hmm. So, which okay. is like an eighty-five. It's not like through yeah. the roof, but it's still a great. Yeah, this season they go from like California Valley to Las Vegas. Las Vegas, yeah. lots of trouble. I should watch it, and it's definitely on the list. I love Mark Maron. So. It's a quick fucking watch too. They're like twenty-five minute episodes. Yeah, they're great. Great ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. So, check out Glow Season 3 if you haven't already. Y'all got anything quick to mention? Uh, speaking of shows, you, know, you need to check out, apparently Amazon has a hit on its uh, has a hit on its hands with The Boys. It has, it's been out for a little while. I can't really remember a few when weeks. it premiere, premiered. Not that long ago, a few weeks. Yeah, but it is now, like, the returns are coming in. It is the highest rated Amazon original ever on IMDb now. So, it's been kind of a word of mouth hit I guess. which is crazy I mean the show is close to NC-17 if it was a film yeah yeah it's very 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 dark essentially it's it's if superheroes were evil people yeah. but we're smart enough to know that being publicly evil wouldn't behoove them yeah it is um it's definitely a good like I never read the graphic novel comic book or whatever but it was something that I was kind of skeptical going into, but like definitely was. It's been great bang for the buck watching it. So I read the graphic novel after like in succession with the show, uh, and there's some shit on the graphic novel they just couldn't do on the show. I don't think it's yeah. there's like some sexual assault stuff that's alluded to in the show that's just flat out shown in the comics, mm. which is rough. Yeah. What really does it for me when I watch that show is um, Jack Quaid. Is that his name? Yeah, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son, who's yeah. the lead. He pins it all together. Yeah, like the he, only thing you would have seen him in is he played Marvel, which is like the District One, yeah, bad guy in Hunger Games, the first <laughs> one. He and Aaron Moriarty plays like the female lead, and they're perfectly cast. That like it makes it a home run, as far as I'm concerned. And Elizabeth Shue kind of plays like uh, the big bad behind the scenes. Yeah, she does a pretty good job. She's the corporate boss, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Carl Urban is probably the most famous name in the show. Yeah, and he's a, a adjacent lead. I wouldn't call him a supporting character. Yeah, so I mean, I guess it's news that they have a you know sort of a sleeper hit. Would you call it like it really like? Where did they advertise it? You know, like where like it kind of just like. Yeah, happened organically. It was kind of on. I think David mentioned in the little pre-show meeting we did was like it was kind of like Facebook ads. Yeah, that's where I saw it, and it was already out when I saw when the first time I heard about it. Mm -hmm. 
and just like good word of mouth and this is how hey heads up everybody this is how you build hits <laughs> yeah isn't it uh seth rogan and evan goldberg's yeah company yeah. yeah they did a great job with preacher adapting yeah. graphic yeah. novel so kind of it sounds like it's in good hands i haven't checked it out but i'm i'm excited to they also the special effects are good they spend money there you can tell yeah. um it looks good yeah, yeah. It's, it's a crazy show but super dark not for kids Nope. At all. <laughs> nope. It's adult. Yeah. Uh, David, you got anything? I do. I got the return of a show that I was obsessed with uh, last season. And uh, just got nominated for Best Drama, and that's about it, but Best Drama nominee Succession coming back for season two. That's right. That was like the show of the year for you almost last so year. Excited. Yeah, it was in my top five for sure. Me too. So excited. Yeah, it's, it's one of the funniest things on television, like one of the darkest things on television, too. Um, season one definitely ends on a cliffhanger. Um, since you could do HBO Go and bang them out, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a lot of intrigue with the, uh, you know, the the title is about, you know, it's Logan Roy, Brian Cox is the head of, like, a Fox News, Rupert Murdoch-type family, and uh, his son is trying to vie for control of the company, and he's got a, a sister who's really compelling, Sarah Snook, as Shiv. Yeah. And uh, her husband, Tom, is hilarious, Matthew McFadden. Cousin really Greg is, is kind of his foil and is, is great on that. Kieran Culkin is acerbic and hilarious in it. I know, you saying all the names, it's just like, I'm so ready to hang out with all these characters again. That's like yeah. how I feel. I can't wait to hang out with Tom and Cousin Greg. Just be in the room yeah. while I'm exci- they're having conversations. I'm excited for, in the first episode, Brian Cox has like a stroke, and he's kind of like on the mend the whole season. I'm excited for him to be in full power and full full swing to start off this season. And uh, they got some, some, some decent hitters going to come in. There's another media company uh, in the preview that they're kind of, the, the Waystar Royco company is going to go up against it's got uh, Holly Hunter is in it, going to be guest starring, and Cherry Jones, who's always guest starring in a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it should be pretty good. It's it's like I said, it's one of the funniest things on television. And as soon as I watch it on Sunday, I'm gonna want to watch it again for like the <laughs> horrifyingly disturbing put downs they all put on each other. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is uh, probably last year. It was a. T- television shows I guess you, mm-hmm. you know it was probably the one I recommended the most to people so I heard both of y'all talk a ton about it just mm-hmm. I told everybody it was like have you seen it you need to see it have you seen yeah. it you know does Brian Cox win it or is there hard to tell I, it really is shared yeah um, the guy who plays his son um, I forgot his name um, I forgot the actor or the character but he's really good Kendall the guy who plays yeah. Kendall Roy yeah, he is really good um, is a guy who has a dr- lapsed drug problem and it's just like a douchebag like a I business douche tech the, guy the douchebag yeah he's, he's one of the uh, the guys that are kind of shorting the, the economy yeah. he's really great in it Kieran's great in it Shiv's great in it like the whole family kind of wins it um, I know Brian Sox, Brian Cox definitely chews scenery, but he leaves a little on the bone for the rest of the family. Yeah, nice, especially for Karen Culkin. Oh, yeah, my lord, he's just what a character. Yeah, what a position to put him in. He's he's always kind of a fun actor in like Scott Pilgrim, where he can just you know have two minutes of screen time and kill it. And he does. He makes the most of his opportunity here. Yeah. It's really funny. Really snubbed for a. Uh, Best Supporting Actor nominee. Yeah, the Emmys. Yeah. In my 
opinion. Opinion. Yeah, it's totally worth catching up on, in my opinion. It's like 10 episodes first season. I think they're 50 minutes long. So, yeah, you, you, you're only one season behind if you pick it up now. And I've heard a lot of people, it's like, it's white people 1% type show. If that feels like really, um, I don't know, self-serving or too much that you're already getting that in news... Um, it gets better from that initial prom- premise. I think each episode kind of gets better than the previous one um, yeah. as, as you're watching it. It's not just like reveling in 1% porn. Um, it's really dark what they deal with the 1%. It's really like reveling in how other people will treat each other mm-hmm. and like what they'll say even though they're like family and like they'll they love each other but they hate each other at the same time and mm-hmm. like just the crap that'll come out of their mouths, you know, and it's uh, it's a lot more about like what will you do when faced with decisions in life, and like you know maybe those are like how they're played out in this show may be one percent, but cousin Greg comes from nothing, mm-hmm. you know, and like the conversations he has with Tom aren't about like money; they're really about like it's almost like jocularity gone too far like mm-hmm. sometimes like locker room humor like just over the top you know yeah, and just yeah. like uh, like how a big brother would treat a little brother kind of thing you know um, and it's a morality thing like what morals and ethics you have mm-hmm. you know like what will you do right oh. and you sold me <laughs> that was yeah succession is a success agreed <laughs> Um. So the main thing we're going to talk about today was a little horror movie topic, and we've been talking, I feel like, since the podcast started, because it kind of launched with Get Out a little bit. We were, like, kind of around the same time period. Mm-hmm. But horror movies had this, uh, where there were so many shitty fucking horror movies in the, like, the late 90s, early aughts, like, pretty much everything that wanted to be Scream for a little while. And then there was, like, some shit like The Wrong Turn, Hills Have Eyes. Now those are, like, god-awful movies, but, like, they put horror in a weird spot. And they definitely weren't, like, revered films. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's been changing over the past few years. We've talked about that tons on uh, Talk to Talk. Um, and it's happening again. Apparently, uh, the Guillermo del Toro produced a horror film based off the kid's book, which still blows my mind. Uh, <laughs> Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, is killing it in the box office this week. It's uh, number one, which in a few hundred less theaters anyway. Beat Door of the Explorer in its opening weekend, which is a kids' movie, which is crazy. In mm-hmm. summer. In the summer. And it also, in Hobbs and Shaw, in their second week, Yeah, it beat it. Um, and you got It Chapter 2 coming out in less than a month. Uh, and that's a horror movie that came out two years ago and made $340 million or something, which is just <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Um, so, having said that, we're going to talk, uh, we're trying to narrow this focus so we can leave some top fives for me and David would ever bring Chris out here. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly Chris. Well, the rest of us like doing it. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> um, so I narrowed the focus from uh, just like scariest horror scenes, because that's always fun to talk about, to uh, scariest scenes, but it has to be paranormal uh, in its scare tactics. Uh, paranormal is pretty much no sci-fi. Anything that's not normal, uh, that couldn't be... So like Jaws, the opening scene of Jaws is one of the scariest scenes of all time. Oh my God. And it would not be el- eligible for our list. Yeah. Um, the Thing, that film, that is an alien. We don't know if that's possible. Any alien is scary, but that's sci-fi. We're going to say that's ineligible for our list. So these are 
not just ghosts and demons, but anything that's paranormal. Like the scene when he when he's watching the fucking quinceanera in Sans mm-hmm. in Brazil. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And the alien walks across the thing. That scene's horrifying. Not eligible for the talky talk. <laughs> Top five scariest paranormal movie scenes list. I have one that may like skirt the like fringe well, of eligibility, but we'll talk about it when we get there. And like all talky talk countdowns. This is the last time we're going to talk about the rules. <laughs> if, if one's on your list, it's fine. <laughs> all right. Well, it's just to, right. to hinder us while we're making it. Uh, Al, you're the guest. What, oh, what's you your number five? Me? My number five. So this seems like I'm only really like dipping my toe in the water and not going for a deep dive. But really, hear me out. <laughs> so it's from the sixth sense, and. There is probably a more scary scene in The Sixth Sense, but there's a scene in The Sixth Sense that gets scarier every time you rewatch it. And it's really great because The Sixth Sense is, even though it's a twist movie, it's really rewatchable. Like, it's That's just probably a, why it's rewatchable. That's part of it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, well, well, let me see all the shit that I should have seen the first time to let me know that Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Right. Okay. Spoiler well, there's that. <laughs> okay, so the scene is Cole goes to the birthday party and uh-huh. gets put into the cupboard at the top of the stairs by the other kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Fuck. <laughs> you haven't seen a ghost yet. And Cole hasn't told Bruce Willis in the, the hospital scene that he sees ghosts. So you don't know the first time you watched it. You think he just gets locked in the cupboard. Right. Well, after you know that, and you go back and rewatch it, and you watch that scene again, you're like, holy crap. He goes into the cupboard. The kids shove him in there. And he's banging on the door. And all of a sudden it goes quiet. And in that quiet, you realize that something showed up in there. So he goes from banging on the door to quiet to screaming his head off saying, help, help. And, like, you realize, you, it just warms over you that, like, there's <laughs> that lady that was beat up in the kitchen with her wrist slit. Yeah. There's something like that in the cupboard with him. Or something like that. So... It's just frightening that you're... One, he's like an innocent kid. And it's happening to him. And that's throughout the movie. But that one, you're like... He's trapped in there with something like... Not of this world. And he hasn't gotten to the point yet where Bruce Willis and him have talked him into being able to stand up to the ghosts and figure out what they want. So he's absolutely terrified. And that's why when his mom opens the door and comes out, he's catatonic. Because something was in there. That's really interesting to think about something being scarier on a rewatch. I've never thought it, about that before. It's not yeah. like in the first. Okay, so when you first watch the movie, all the cupboards open, right? Right. In the kitchen, there's that scene, and his mom's like, "Are you looking for something?" And you know, something is happening. That's paranormal, mm-hmm. and his palms are sweating, and he won't tell her what it is. But you don't know what it is. It could just be, you know, poltergeist or whatever opening the things. But you realize later when he sees the lady in the kitchen that the ghosts actually like visit him. They go to his place. They go into his tent so they can go wherever he is no matter what time of day or night. And so they could go into that little crawl space and they could appear there. That's not that lady's kitchen. It's his mom's kitchen. Yeah, That's his tent where the girl's puking in. So there's, there's something in there. And you can tell because of that moment of silence. Like, watch it again. It is mortifying for him. Ugh. No. 
That's my <laughs> that's my number five. When you talked about that movie being rewatchable, and I agree it is, but I sat down to watch it like a couple of years ago, and I was like, six cents, I'll put that on. And it was like, Cassandra was like out of town on work, and the house was empty, and it was at night, and it was dark, and we started watching it, and I was just like, nah. <laughs> Find something else. <laughs> I'll watch Power Rangers. <laughs> something stupid. Yeah, and you know, it's like... It's just got a really scary tone, yeah. the whole film does. Yeah, It's a masterpiece, I think. M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. David? I hear you have pictures, and that fucking horrifies me. No, no. And I'm going to show you the pictures. Uh, so no. TJ's going to show us a movie again. after this. My number five comes from 2014 <laughs> movie It Follows. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the beauty of the horror in this movie is how simple it is. It you know you it the concept is you if you're infected you know you it's a sexually com, sexually communicated haunting by something they call the entity. The entity can take any form. It can be any person, and no one else can see them but you if you're affected. And what they do is they basically, in a straight line, wherever you're going, they follow you until they catch you and presumably kill you. In very gruesome ways. One kill. Um, There's an earlier scene which is great for building the world where a woman is a girl's in high school and she is being, you know, it starts like way far out. You see this woman in just a hospital gown. Uh, and it just keeps getting closer and it's like kind of behind her and she's moving but the scene I'm doing is kind of a little bit later on so she knows she's in the thick of it her friends are going to spend the night with her to help her because they don't know if she's crazy or whatever she hears sounds and she sees something she goes up to the second floor which if you're being chased and something's going in a direct line why are you going upstairs (laughs) Um, but there is a beautiful you know tension and release the entire movie so, you know, she goes upstairs, and they're all around the door for anything to come through the doorway, and something pops up, but it's just her friend, and she said, there's, there's nothing here, it's just brushing her teeth, and then from out of the darkness, you see this, a guy quickly pop up, he's seven uh. foot seven and has no eyes, and he quickly stalks through, and since no one else sees him, He's not pushing anyone out of the way, but as soon as there's a clearing, he he moves beyond this person to go directly for our main character. All dressed in white, completely unexplained, and she jumps out the window. Because he, he's gotten to her vulnerable sanctum up in the bedroom with her friends and everything. Even that, she's not safe. And it just it happens quick. It's the tension and release of she's fine, it's her friend, and then yeah. from behind the friend this guy kind of scurries up and, and maneuvers past her to try to get to her. Um, really, you know, a lot of the movie is like really fun and stylish and well done, but forget how scary some of the sequences are. Can I ask you, like, where, where, like, what setting were you in when you first saw it? Like, were you at home with the lights out? Or were you in the movie theater? Like, I think Allison was out of town and I was banging out some, some stuff on Netflix because she, she hates watch. scary yeah. movies. Yeah. So I saw like The Guest and this movie and maybe another one. So I was by myself. I think with uh, with our dog Franklin. But oh. yeah, it's just like a heebie-jeebie factory. That scene yeah. is by far the scariest in that movie. Yeah. Uh, and number four on my list. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> the exact same scene. Oh, okay. It's fucking horrifying. There's... It's the chaos between the monster and the victim and everybody else in the room being mm-hmm. so calm, which is horrifying. There's a scene later in the movie that's great when they're on the beach. Mm-hmm. This is like one of my top five horror movies of all time. It follows. If you haven't seen it, like so me or David or Five yeah. Star, it's a fantastic movie. 
But uh, there's a scene at the beach later, and that movie plays with that mechanic so well of the monster's only out to kill one person, and the only person that gets hit monster is that victim. So they're at the beach, and they're all there, all the friends, and like you see the monster coming. They don't hide it. And you're like, okay, it's okay. The friends will see it because the victim's got its back to where the monster's coming from. And then slowly you realize that, like, oh, yeah, they can't fucking see it. I've forgotten that every time the monster comes. Yeah. So they're just, like, talking to their friend with this monster coming behind her who's going to... You see one kill in the first scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's a horrible, painful-looking death. And, yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. And that scene and that horrifying guy and the way it's shot is so good. It's so fucking scary. It's a great... Pick for a top five. Yeah. Move that up. Yeah. <laughs> What's your five? My number five is uh, one that I, I bet would be on several people's top fives. It's a uh, ghost uh, from a film in the 80s that got remade that I watched the remake of it and it was fucking awful. But the original one scared the shit out of me and it was mostly the dead sister Zelda from Pet Cemetery. Mm. In particular, the scene where she looks at the camera, which is her sister dreaming. But looks like breaks the fourth wall almost, looking at you watching the movie in the eyes and says, like, she's got spinal meningitis, I think, is what was wrong with Zelda. Um, And she says, like, I'm going to, like, wreck your spine, too, then you can lay in bed with me forever. Mm -hmm. And it's to the screen, and her face is all, like, shriveled, and, like, she's been in decay, and it's fucking awful. This also made my list. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you where, but I'll, I'll get to it. Okay. Yeah. But the... There's two things that really do it for me. First off, the imagery of what that would entail, which is laying in bed with a deformed ghost who just wants you to feel pain with it forever. Mm-hmm. That term forever is just horrifying in itself. Like, this is what you get to do forever, is lay with yeah. me in bed. That's what I had to do forever. And then the other fact of she's look, she's telling it to me, mm-hmm. watching the movie. Breaking That's the, the safety of watching a movie. Fuck that, yeah. yeah. That's It's a safe space. It's a movie. Don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> There's some scary moments in Pet Cemetery, but that's... The Zelda scenes are up there. Yeah, the Zelda scenes are fucking horrifying. Yeah. In a, in a scary way. the A lot of the shit in Pet Cemetery playing with the... If your kid died, you could bury it, and it would come back to life as a shell of itself. But that option is horrifying in itself. Right. But that's not... That's horrifying in, as opposed to scary kind of in my brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? The Zelda shit's just like, fuck that! What the hell? That's scary. Right. Whereas the other shit just makes you feel like shit to think about. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like a movie of like how far we go to deal with loss. You know, like yeah, no, that's definitely yeah. It. And those are the other parts. And, and they went too far, right? <laughs> yeah, but don't watch the remake. Mr. Creed was, was a little garbage. too far. Yeah. Number four, also uh, from the master Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen uh, 1983's The Dead Zone. Y'all ever seen it? Mm, no. I have seen The Dead Zone. I've seen the USA television show. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited oh, with Anthony know. Michael Hall? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know the premise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Johnny uh, gets in a car wreck. He has a dead zone in his brain. Well, the dead zone all of a sudden lets him do paranormal stuff. And, like, one of them is, like, he's clairvoyant. If he, like, touches people, he's omniscient. He can, like, see the future, the past, things like that. Well... For the longest time, he fights with Tom Skerritt shows up and asks. He plays the sheriff, and he shows up and asks him to help with these like murders that are going on. And finally, he succumbs and decides to help Tom Skerritt's character out. And he goes to this gazebo where the murder happens, and he holds 
the lady who got murdered's like hat or scarf or gloves. I can't remember what it was. And then it like transports him back to when it happened. And it's like one of those scenes where he's physically there. It's almost like Scrooge, like what you know, like um, mm-hmm. watching the um, Ebenezer Scrooge, like being taken around and by the ghosts and being shown like things in the past or the future. Mm-hmm. He's physically there, like watching it happen. What's really creepy, and it always creeped me out, like when I saw this when I was like a kid, because like it's like at night and it's quiet and it's like the snow is falling and it's just they're walking right past Christopher Walken and um you know something bad happens and you you like get it all played out in front of you it's like this man like killing this woman but they know each other and it's a date and they're showing up to like meet on this date but he turns on her because he's like the serial killer Mm -hmm. (coughs) so and then it they figure out who it is and the scene right after it segues into the scene where they go to the guy's house to try to capture him and they confront him and he uh, goes upstairs and like gets out these pair of scissors and like um, and and I don't want to ruin it totally you should watch it but uh, <laughs> I want to now <laughs> but that scene always freak me the hell out just because of the paranormal like part of it like how like so surreal it was that he could actually like watch this all play out in the past so uh that's my number four i don't know if it's like really like i'm describing it as well as like how freaking creepy and just eerie and scary it was to me when i first saw it or every time i see it Mm -hmm. so that's fine. It definitely four. triggers the heebie-jeebie response. Yeah, and just like the unsettling nature that, that I think the uh, a good horror scene like that uncovers something that makes you really uncomfortable. And it also uncovers that there's a killer in the midst, mm-hmm. and like they everybody knew knows the person, they just don't know who it is, mm-hmm. and that's the reveal scene. And you know, like, they're in a position of power and how, like, deadly that could be. So, The Dead Zone. Christopher Walken. That's a good one. Yeah. Nice. Isn't there, isn't there, like, an SNL sketch he did where he spoofed it? Where he'd, like, shake hands with somebody, oh. but it's, like, meaningless <laughs> <laughs> clairvoyance? Maybe. I think I'm not. What's your four? Uh, my four, I'm kind of composing on the fly here, trying not to do some repeats, uh, if you'll <laughs> forgive me. I'm going to do, yeah, I'll do this one. So, 1998 movie, um, features a home video, lovely home video. Uh, turns out the home video is going to kill you if you watch it within seven days. Ooh, can we watch it? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, when did it come out, 98? Well, I'm doing Ringu. Okay. Uh, a lot of these are, are specifically tuned to when I watch them. I remember uh, Brian, what up, Brian, and me renting this from Blockbuster. It, I don't, I think it was a DVD we rented. I don't think it was a VHS at that point. Not that old. Um, but the scene I have is just the Japanese Ringu video, and just how homemade and gritty and almost snuff kind of feeling it is. What's that style called? The, like, film that just makes you uncomfortable? It's got a name. 
Ooh. Like, uh, Gabe talks about it in The Office. That's his favorite oh, style yeah, of yeah. cinema. Uh, <laughs> it's just, um, like, maggots coming out of meat. Like, just really? shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, the, sped up and slowed down and out of focus and yeah. whatever. The, the video here does really well with it. Uh, it starts off with the view from uh, a well. Then you have a Japanese woman combing her hair in a mirror. The mirror shifts positions. And then she eerily smiles to you. Again, breaking the fourth wall. Um, and then you have... Uh, Some nope shit right there. I looked it up. They <laughs> described it as undulating, writhing letters that are just crawling all over, over top of each other. Like uh, letters in the alphabet, but kanji. They're just like reforming and never staying. Yeah, it's just an uncomfortable. Then you have people dragging their bodies across the ground, like all of their legs have been broken. I think it's from an eruption. Um, you have uh, my scene here: a man with a towel over his head, just like pointing over, and there's like undulating or like gritty, staticky waves in the background. And then you have a giant eye with a person in the middle of the pupil. And then you have the well, which is. <laughs> The, the money shot, right? The money shot, yes. <laughs> yeah. You have a static well, and the static, like, comes in and out as the person's watching it. I usually, that's usually when, like, they show the person actually watching it, like, they cut out of the actual video. And that's uh, in the Japanese, her name's Sadako. She's Samara, I think, in the yeah. American version. is That's where she does the, um, yeah, the cinema of disturbing feelings it's her jittery walking and like going through the static through the TV yeah um, yeah I, I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> everybody liked it and disliked it all at the same that's time that's another one watched it really late at night when uh, I think a thunderstorm was on nice I watched that movie with Daniel for the first time our friend and uh, we got done with the final scene where she comes out of the TV this is on the remake the American remake and I look over at Daniel and I was like dude and he was just buried in blankets he didn't watch any of it <laughs> He's like, no, why would I watch that? But, but that. you missed it. You yeah. gotta watch it again. Oh. The Ring's a good movie. The both of them, The Ring and Ringu, are both. Yeah, they're very horror movies. effective, and they're also good mystery movies. Yeah, you're uncovering a mystery. Uh, I'm gonna jump in with number three, since four was oh, okay. David's yeah. from before. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is what I would call a categorically bad movie, <laughs> from all accounts, with one scene that scared the ever living shit out of me. I was telling Al before you got here, David. It was so scary that I, Cassandra was like, you're ready to go to bed after we watched it with Chris, uh, back when we all lived together, and I was like, no, I need to get drunk <laughs> so I can go to sleep. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep sober. I need to pound a bunch of bourbon, and then maybe I'll fall asleep on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the final film in the scene, in the, from the film, uh, final scene from the film Insidious. Ah, uh, Yeah. <sighs> The movie, we were laughing the entire time, making fun of this like red demon monster in another world. It's None of it's scary. I mean, some of it was kind of cool, but most of it was just like bad dialogue and bad writing, and the movie mm-hmm. just wasn't good. But in the final scene, when everything's over, your hero of the film is talking to the like clairvoyant lady who came to help. And uh, she realizes something, you don't know what, you can see it come over her face, and she snaps a picture of the hero played by Patrick Wilson. And... Uh, Patrick Wilson gets real upset that she took her photo. So upset that he strangles her, almost breaks her neck in a chair. And this is the guy you've been rooting for the entire mm-hmm. movie. Um, so she's dead on the couch. And he disappears. And this other lady walks in and finds the camera on the ground and picks it up and picks up the like last digital photo that was taken of him. And it is this fucking horrific, like, witch, pale, disfigured, 
horrifying looking like corpse broad where Patrick Wilson was the entire time. And it's like the from the rest of the movie you put together that she came back with him when he went to like save his son. She came back as him. Yeah, there's like astral projection stuff in there. It, and it is giving me the chills. Now, talking about it, I didn't like it when I saw it the first time. Mm. I was immediately, I just stood up and I was like, fuck! <laughs> Damn it. It's another like movie kind of betraying your trust. Yeah. Because there wasn't, it didn't, like sometimes you can tell when there's one more like kill, one more jump scare mm. coming. You know what I mean? And yeah. this movie didn't do that. Um, it was over. And then that shit happened. And then you went and had to get drunk. And then I went and had to get drunk so I could go to sleep. <laughs> it was really fucked up. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, my number three is probably a little bit lighter. Good. Uh, but it's, it's about a clown. And not the clown that you think it's about. It's from 1982, 84's Poltergeist. Mm. One? Who the Poltergeist? I don't know. Okay. Oh, back in those days. So, Bobby, I think his name's Bobby. His name is Bobby. Bobby owns a clown. I don't know why, because he hates the clown. 82. Okay. Yeah, that's a good first question. Why the fuck is there a clown under your bed? I'm gonna go, I've gone ahead and... <laughs> ghost like, or no ghost? I've gone ahead and, like, written it into my... Like, written it in that, like, his grandmother or grandfather gave him the clown, so he can't, like, get rid of it. Is like parents make him keep it, like a sweater that Georgie wears in a Christmas story or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have to the wear pink rabbit yeah. suit. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyways, it's it's a toy clown. It plays on multiple fears. One, he's a little kid. He's like ten, maybe yeah. eleven. I don't know. Uh, two, it's a toy gone wrong. Um, and then three, it's a monster under the bed scene. Um, and also, it like segues into some other like terrifyingness you know like afterwards but Mm -hmm. the one where like he throws the blanket at it and it misses and he's like eh screw it I don't want to get up but then he has to look again and it's gone from the chair and it's like oh my god shit missing is great (laughs) right shit not where it's supposed to be you're like fuck there's nothing there that's horrifying let's shoot this (laughs) let's shoot two shots one the clown's in the chair two the clown's not in the chair cost us five dollars boom great movie (laughs) when you're a baby you understand object permanence and then filmmakers (laughs) saying never mind that yeah you're going back to being a baby (laughs) yes but it's just it's the real like there's the TV scene before it and like it's the real like Something's going on in the house. Yeah. It was right afterwards his mom gets attacked, like, in her bedroom and, like, shoved up against the wall, up against the ceiling, which is, like, cut into that scene of, of the him fighting the clown. And he just goes off on it, though, too. You know? Like, he beats the total shit out of the clown. Yeah, I would, I would pick the clown as my scene from Poltergeist. That movie does a fantastic job of, like, fear per dollar. Yeah. <laughs> like... That, that, yeah. Now that I've got it pulled up, I'm curious as to what I've, the budget was. I've never seen it all the way through, but I remember catching like some scenes here and there yeah. when I was too young for it. There's a scene where I think the mom is in the swimming pool, and then all of the bodies, I think, are start appearing in there. Native yeah. American bodies. Yeah. It freaked me out because my parents had a pool <laughs> when sure. I was watching it, and anytime we would swim at night, I would think of that movie. This movie yeah. has a special tie to being... Chris's friendship as well when I would leave his apartment in Athens drunk at four in the morning to walk to mine, my house which was like I don't know 15 blocks away probably 
I'd walk up at four in the morning and we'd get random texts from Chris that would just say like, stay away from the light, Carol Ann. It's like, I'm like walking home in the middle of the night in Athens through the woods by myself. I'm just like, fuck you, yeah. piece of shit. It does, do it. <laughs> it does a great job with simple things like the pool, the closet, well, the closet under the bed, the, TV, the toys, the TV. TV. Like, uh, and, and funny too, man, one of my favorite scenes in Poltergeist, which is that scene is super scary. It's a scary movie, but it's so rewatchable. Poltergeist does, but the scene when they have the paranormal detectives come, yeah, and they're you remember this? They get real excited. They're like, "We shot this toy car moving. It moved three inches over four hours, and it's like time lapse video." Mm-hmm. And they just like open this door to the bedroom, and shit's like flying around everywhere. Craig D. Nelson's like, uh-huh. <laughs> "Right, gotcha. Okay, mm, get a load of this. Yeah. Just shit, just everywhere moving. Yeah, it's great. That's my number three. Good pick." Movie cost ten million dollars to make, by the way. A lot of money back then. But made one hundred and twenty. A lot of money back then. <laughs> what you got for three? For three, uh, I got a movie that I don't know. Maybe it'll be on uh, one of your guys' lists. Yeah. There's a couple scenes from here, but uh, movie I'm going to go with is Paranormal Activity. Um, a movie that made me get drunk. Yeah, 2007 <laughs> movie. There's, uh, you know, it's it's Micah and Katie, and they notice stuff going wrong, and you figure out there's something that's been following Katie in particular. Um, it's got a great ending. That's got uh, kind of a fu- really fun, does it though? <laughs> fun like finale, just kind of like uh, huh for me. But the thing that's really unnerving is this scene. The time lapse. The uh, fuck. Yeah. The time lapse of Katie walking, waking in the middle of the night, and then watching her husband or boyfriend um, sleep for two straight hours. You see, she stands in the exact same position, over watching over him, watching him sleep. And it's couples do. It's another like (laughs) part of this. I think is like therapy about where do I feel like vulnerable as as a viewer and as a person. You're never as vulnerable as when you're asleep. Yeah, and you take the things you take for granted is like your spouse is also sleeping. And the fact that in, in, in other movies, this is also disturbing, like Lost Highway, David Lynch. The whole premise is like someone's been videotaping them when they're sleeping and they give them videotapes. Yeah. It's just like a, always a, a good go-to. The worst. You're violated. Yeah. And in this when, you're, one, when you can't do anything about it. Yeah. In this one, it's almost a worse betrayal because it's someone you trust to, you know, get through this thing. And uh, what's also creepier is she has absolutely no memory of any of that happening. She denies that it happens. Talk about bang for your buck, that movie. Um, Cost $10 to make. Yeah, I, was, I remember one of the scenes when you when they throw the, whatever it is, like salt or whatever on the floor to keep the thing mm-hmm. out. Have you seen it? Yeah. But at night you see the demon walk in the room just because he leaves footprints on the salt. And I remember my quote at the time was like, why do they give it fucking dinosaur feet? Because it's got like giant clawed feet and you see them yeah. you see them move through the salt you don't see it yeah. it's invisible but you see footprints appear and I'm just like god damn it a fucking velociraptor ghost <laughs> I think it would have been velociraptor ghost yeah uh, that's why I don't give it to that scene it would have been maybe more effective if it was just like a footprint or a oh no it scared footprint. the shit out of me no. <laughs> I haven't seen it but it's like one of those movies you can't escape like seeing like clips of like her getting yanked it's, out of the bed it's yeah. well done that they scene do a, is like a famous one you know? uh, is it the sequel or that one I don't know if this was in a movie I didn't see or did see. It's unforgettable some of these movies are. But that has the camera on the oscillating 
That's the second one. That's a cool effect, though. I thought about that one, but it's really a series of scenes that yeah. plays with that. It's like normal it's, it's oscillation. Object, it's object permanence, Yeah, too. and then it gets weirder, and then it's in broad daylight when it's the absolute worst. Yeah. So I couldn't pick out a single scene from there, but I love that effect. But yeah, it's just the camera doing this like permanently out, mm-hmm. and then like shit missing or being um, gone or shit happening yeah. and then continuing to happen off screen. Um, it's really, really good idea. Really clever filmmaking. Mm-hmm. To the, to, the, three. to the number twos? Let's do the twos. My number two is an entire film. <laughs> but it is one scene. It is a short film. Oh. <laughs> uh, 2014 movie that was made into a feature-length film that we saw that was bad. But it was a short film that I watched one day on my phone and it scared the piss out of me. It was really well done and it's something I think everybody had a fear of as a kid. And uh, it's the short film Lights Out. Hmm. Have I seen it? Have <laughs> you seen it, dude? Mm-hmm. I'll make y'all watch it later. No, <laughs> yep, you won't. Yep, yep. 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 Uh, lady gets up out of bed, thinks she hears something down the hall, goes, turn the lights on, nothing there, turn the lights off, and as soon as he turns the lights off, there's a silhouette at the end of the hall. I remember you telling me about this. And then she turns the light back on and it's gone. And she turns the lights off and the silhouette's back at the end of the hall. Um, it keeps playing with that whole thing. Eventually the lights start to flicker, and every time the lights go off, she could see it, but it's closer. Uh-huh. But you never see it, and the lights come on, and there's nothing there. And it's just fucking horrifying. And the thing finally is, like, next to her bed. And it mm. just ends black. There's yeah, no, yeah. like, blood or screaming or anything. It's just this faceless silhouette of a human. Not watching that. Dude, it was, it's, it's one of those movies you watch, you're just like, why haven't a, why hasn't a filmmaker done this before? Right. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. Like, I could set up the shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just is executed to perfection. The movie's four minutes long. That's oh, literally and all that's it is. It's like the one where the probably the person that made it is like, has someone done this before? Like, I need to go figure that out. Yeah, it's a Swedish director who directed the... Of course the, it is. The feature-length film got way into, like, more paranormal. Like, she was zapped in a concentration camp and now she's afraid of the light or some crazy like it didn't make any fucking sense it was yeah. bad it's more terrifying with less information you know yes 100%. less explanation um David Sandberg was the the director he he's the Swedish guy he did Lights Out he did Annabelle Creation and uh yeah. oh shit he's the director of Shazam yeah. <laughs> nice wow well cool I guess. Well, I'm still not watching it. My number two. Okay, I'm going back to 1983, <laughs> and I'm also going back to Christopher Walken. A good year for Walken. <laughs> this is the second movie from 1983 with him in it. Nice. Yes, he's creepy. Um, yeah, it's bit. a movie called Brainstorm. Y'all ever heard of it? I've never heard of Brainstorm. Never heard of it. Okay, here's maybe if you had heard of it you probably had not seen it but known this is Natalie Wood's last movie mm. I think she oh, died yeah. during the filming of it so they sort of pieced it together mm. like in post like production or whatever like you know piece of the movie together okay well there's a scene in it which this is the part where I'm like eh, this is sort of paranormal here's the premise they are these researchers he and Natalie Wood and Louise Fletcher of one flew over the cuckoo's fame. Mm-hmm. Are these researchers in in um, 
Research Triangle, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and they're coming up with this way to uh, record like brain waves or like thoughts. But you, for some reason, they figure out when you record it on this like tape that they've also recorded the emotions that like people are feeling like while they're having those like brain thoughts. Yeah, it's not like normal brain waves. Like you put this machine on like. I would record what I'm thinking, hand the machine to you, you would do the playback, you would see it, see my thoughts, see what I experienced. So, Louise Fletcher's character is a chain smoker and has a heart attack, and while she's having a heart attack, she has the presence of mind to put the machine on herself, and records it while she's dying. And Christopher Walken needs to see what's on the tape. And so he, like, the back half of the movie is spent with, like, them, like, him, like, trying to watch it and trying to also, like, not kill himself while watching it because you, like, physically feel what the other person, like, experiences. Mm -hmm. So there's a scene where he's watching it and you see Louise Fletcher's death and, like, near death, death, experience, the white light. Everything about it, like, coming at her. And so, I, it's, for me, it's scary shit because I have, like, a, I have a fear of heights. Probably because, like, I'm afraid that I'm going to fall and die. <laughs> and I have a fear of drowning, probably because I'm going to die because I have, ultimately I have a fear of death. <laughs> so, <laughs> therein lies... The fear-inducing, you know, moment that it is this film it is like panic attack worthy to like watch it for me, and so it's scary as shit. And yeah. I, yeah, I can't watch Brain, the end of Brainstorm. Oh, uh, really? For that reason? Nice. Yeah, that's funny. Those are some scary scenes in movies that, like Gravity, like the opening scene in Gravity, it's fucking horrifying. Like shit going wrong in space, like that's yeah. terrifying. It's just it's not horror. So the reason I consider it paranormal is because it's not really something that's real. Like, no one that's not out there. It's kind of like Flatliners, you know? Like, that movie is, like, it's something you're experiencing that's, like, ghost-like or or not really. So I put it in there, one, because it scares the shit out of me, and then two, because I think it sort of skirts the, you know, the lays on the fence of paranormal. That's my number two. I'm with you. Have fun with that. Brainstorm. Check it out. All right, I will. Number two? My number two, I'm surprised the movie hasn't been discussed yet. I'll do a, a famous scene from it. I'm hoping Wait, there's another scene it from out? it. Yeah. Are we a role play? Do, do we need to play points? Well, I hope not, because my scene is room 237, the woman in the bathtub, and The Shining. I'll be the naked lady. <laughs> I'll be the do not disturb sign? You'll be the tub. The, kind of, <laughs> the thing you forget about when thinking about that scene is that Nothing. the whole reason <laughs> the whole reason it starts is because Wendy says that Danny said a woman tried to strangle him yeah. in room two three seven. It's the kind of thing like like your sixth sense thing. The more you think about it, the more the worse it gets. After you see yeah. it, it makes you more uh, disturbed that about the story you heard that Danny was almost strangled by that thing. Now you've seen. And the fact that uh, after, well, Jack goes in and there's a beautiful woman in a bathtub. I think everyone's probably seen it, but the thing that's unnerving and is, again, breaking the fourth wall is she's approaching you as the viewer. 
and she's just a, an alluring woman. And then there is, uh, you know, he goes in for an embrace. And then the mirror shows what's really going on is she is a decaying corpse. And then she is shambling towards you as the viewer while the camera backs up. You know, you're going forward at first and then you're backing up and she's trying to get you. And he escapes and also does tells Wendy there's nothing there. There's everything about that scene is just like unsettling for me. You left out the part of that scene that scares me the most though, which is it's more of the what you can't see is so scary. That when you walk in, they don't hide her mm-hmm. from you. You see her in the tub mm-hmm. way the fuck across the room, like yeah. from Jack Torrance's view. And you're just like, there's somebody in the tub. Like that alone is just horrifying, mm-hmm. right? Well, also and you can't see is, if it's yeah. what it is, if it's the some ghost creepy monster, if it's some beautiful lady. And then when it's the best option, a beautiful naked lady, it's still horrifying. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, like, the one, one other thing that's horrifying is, like, the look on his face. So he goes in there with all the idea of, like, there's somebody that attacked the kid, right? Mm-hmm. And the moment he sees a beautiful woman... He turns and is like, hold on, like, this is alluring. <laughs> he smiles. He's yeah. Like, hey. And you're like, yeah. that's that's horrifying in itself that, like, yeah. he changes, like, that quickly. Mm-hmm. The other thing I like to do with that scene is play out, like, okay, so if it manifested the ghost mm-hmm. in there, manifested those two visions to Jack, what was the one it did to the kid? Was it the young lady or was it something else? Because it definitely wasn't the old hag that tried to choke him. She can barely move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like the young, beautiful femme, you know, femme fatale was for Jack. Sure. So what was it for Danny? Some horrifying shit. I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a classic. Yeah, it's one of the best shot horror films ever. Yeah. Uh, horror scenes ever. Yeah. Um, it is my favorite horror movie of all time, which is why there's a scene from The Shining is my number one pick. I figured it would be. Yeah, but not that scene. Um... Even though that scene is scary, the whole fucking movie is scary. Yeah, it's that. What is it? What is it? Show us, David. No! (laughs) Okay. In the climax of the film, the peak of the the climax of the climax. Yeah, no pun intended. Um, Shelley Duvall's character, anybody remember? I've watched it many times. It was Wendy. Uh, Is running and she's on this turnstile at a staircase. Ran up some stairs, about to run up some more stairs. She looks to the right where there's a room open. This is when all hell's breaking loose. You know exactly what's going on now. And she looks, and again, we're going back to that fourth wall breaking. There's a guy in a bear or a dog suit blow, blowing this dude in a tuxedo on a bed. Yeah. And they both do the like super slow turn to look at Wendy. Do you mind? Yeah. <laughs> and them looking at me is just horrifying, and the dog suit scared the shit out of me at the time. I'm getting a hummer from a furry. Yeah. Do you mind? <laughs> and... Shelley Duvall's over-the-top reactions work in that scene. And then we work in the whole movie. Um, but her reaction to it is just... And how long is that? do you see them? It's like half a second. Yeah. Funny. It is too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when, when I was little, our living room, even in my mm-hmm. mom's old house, they had this like huge like bay window that looked out into the pitch-black woods where we lived. And the TV was right beside it. So the couch looked at it all the time. And I was a kid, I'd be like... Like, what's the worst thing that would walk in front of that window? It's fucking dog suit guy. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah. looking straight at me. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it at all. 
Well, I'm going to retread a little on my number one, but this is really a shout out to friend of the podcast, Katie. It is also 1989's Pet Cemetery and one of the Zelda scenes. Um, it's when Rachel, the final one, when Rachel, it's Gage, really. Right. Gage has been raised and he's in the bedroom and um, Rachel goes, his mom goes to find him, but Gage shows himself to be her dead sister, Zelda. And he says the stuff about what she says the stuff about I'm gonna I'm gonna break your back. So you'll never get out of bed again. It's not good. Not good. And whoever it is, the actor that plays Zelda, so they hire a guy to play yeah, her just so the makeup would work. Like his yeah. face must have worked for it, the facial structure. And uh, Combs, like, doing the little walk to the camera, and, ooh, golly, it's scary. That's my number one. Mm. You're welcome, Katie. <laughs> yeah. Never get out of my Never get out of my hand. I hope you're not driving right now, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> my number one is a bad movie. Nice. I'm glad somebody else went that route. <laughs> it's a bad movie, but I saw it in the theaters when I was 14. Um, when it came out, and it scared the piss out of me at the time. It's probably <laughs> the scariest thing I'd seen. Um, in hindsight, it's not a good movie, but Bash it does. Of the, it was of the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest movie I've ever seen. No. Um, it, the movie is a remake from a 1950s movie. I've never seen the original, but I doubt they have anything on this scene. It's 1999's House on Haunted Hill. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, yeah. You guys ever seen it? I have. I'm yeah. curious as to what scene you picked. Cause... Seen both of them. Yeah. yeah. So the scene I the have... The first one's that... uh, Vincent Price, right? Yeah. 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 William, William Castle. It's at the beginning. It's, it's like, real you got a barf yeah. bag or... Yeah. or the second one's got campy moments. I'm curious as the because the movie scared the shit out of me when yeah, I was a kid. Too. Super super campy moments. Yeah. Uh, the thing that always stuck with me is there's a reporter, and who wanders off and has a camcorder trying to, you know, videotape all of the stuff that's going on. You know, there's kind of a ruse going on where they're trying to, you know, if you survive the night, you get another yeah, million dollars. Yeah. And they're trying to uncover. You know, there's a murder that happens and trying to figure that out. And there's some machinations going on with the the house. So she's trying to videotape stuff. Is that the like redhead? She's she's a blonde. She kind of looks like Allie Larder, but not Allie Larder. Okay. Not the um, yeah. She's she's a reporter, and it's a, like a sanitarium hospital yeah. where there was a a revolt and uh, like, burned the place down. Are you picking the fucking? Go ahead. She wanders into an OR, an operating room. Yeah. And there's you know she's just videotaping it, so you see it through the. You know, if you didn't ever have a camcorder or a videotape thing, it's hard to describe the feeling of it because it's it's the grainy static through, like, the lens finder kind of thing. And she's looking at a room, and she looks down the hall, and there's a bunch of people in an OR, and there's an unwilling person under no anesthesia about to be operated on. And so she goes in there, drops the camcorder, you know, picks it back up, when she drops it, there's nothing there. When she puts it back up, they're all there. And so she's, you know, recording what's going on. Then all of a sudden, the ghosts 
see her. And they do the same thing where they slowly <laughs> pan over and look. It's the scene to pick, man. Yeah. On, on the camcorder, you have all the guys there. And the thing I forgot about when I was reviewing it is immediately after that scene, she's freaked out. But then she sees right behind her, um, she sees uh, a guy in the hall who's, who's watching her and is doing like the, what I can only describe <laughs> at the time as like a Marilyn Manson music video where they all had like, you know, jerky heads and yeah. jerky movements. He's doing that off by himself. And then he rushes her, screams in her face, and it's a bunch of like disturbing images of blood and torture. And then it like, when what <laughs> brushes her hair back and then it's done. And it is, like, the scariest paranormal thing ever when I was a kid. And I still think about it, and it still freaks me out. Yeah, no, that scene is... I've seen that movie once. It's a horrible movie. I don't remember anything about it. It's very Except for, like, Owen Wilson, I think. Or is that The Haunting? That's The Haunting. Okay. This has, like... The only thing I remember from that movie is is that fucking scene. So, good job. Yeah. The other scene that's decent is the saturation chamber, where they put Jeffrey Rush in the saturation chamber. Uh, yeah, yeah, Where it's like, if madness, if like something could drive you mad, if you're already mad, something, if you, something that could drive someone mad might make you sane. And it's just like a series of disconnected vignettes about, right. you know, disturbing things. But that didn't really fit as, you know, as well together or as, as deep in my subconscious as that movie. A lot of breaking the fourth wall and, like, filmmakers betraying your trust throughout my top five. Yeah, all of ours, which is interesting. I like, though, that you're going back to, like, you know, when you were, like, 14. Because a lot of mine were, I don't know if you can tell, were from, like, mm-hmm. the early 80s. And I was, like, 13 years old, you if, know, or If I didn't rewatch old. the Child's Play and Leprechaun movies, those would have been on my list. They scared the shit of me when I was a kid. Yeah, it's weird what gets printed on your brain at that age. Oh, yeah. When you... You're a, it's, I guess it's like the first time you're allowed to watch scary movies by yourself. Right. And when so, you're like 13 to 15. Yeah. Yeah. Or true. the first time you accidentally do. <coughs> or like or, you're yeah, not that. supposed to and do. Right. And you're like, what's this? I'll watch The Dead Zone. Well, there, if you're scared of demons and ghosts, you can go watch those scenes. I think most of the ones we mentioned are probably on, on YouTube. Um, but I recommend of, seeing all the movies except for The House on a Hill and Insidious. I'd yeah. recommend most of mine. I'd definitely go see Poltergeist if you haven't seen that. It's, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, you should definitely give that a full watch, I still kind of re- recommend House on a Haunted Hill. In sure. hindsight, it's got great production design if you think about it. Great, great. I, I don't remember much thing. except for. Yeah, it makes me want to go back and watch it. At me. But there's there's going to be like a, a 14 year old boy watching it at the same time within me. That sounded weird. <laughs> weird. Yeah, don't do that. I mean, I hide a 14 year old boy in my body. No, that's not right. <laughs> that's the Stephen King quote where the guy asked him how he came up with all of his scary stories, and he said he had the heart of a 12 year old boy in a jar on his desk. <laughs> <laughs> I can love that. Yeah, that's um, well, cool. I was going to do a what to watch, but there's not a lot. What's coming up this weekend? Angry Birds two. I'm going to tell you to not watch that. Tell me about Bernadette. Some. Uh... Oh yeah, where'd you go, Bernadette? Yeah, is coming out. That movie looks like it could be interesting. It looks like it's one of those movies where it's like, is this movie going to get a forty on Rotten Tomatoes or like a ninety eight? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised either way. This is a Linklater movie. Yeah, Richard Linklater. It's a famous book. Maria Simple, are, are I think. Bad. Kate Blanchett and uh, Billy Crudup. Who? Wait, no, not the other one. The one who looks like Billy Crudup. Ooh. Don't know. I, I forgot. Who's in Spotlight? Who looks like Billy Crudup? Ruffalo? Mark, Mark Ruffalo? No. Maybe it is Billy Crudup. 
Billy Crudup is in Spotlight. That's what makes it confusing. Okay, Billy Crudup <laughs> okay. is the right person. Okay. Okay. He plays Burnett's husband. Okay. Um, so that movie looks good. Also, the reason for this podcast was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yeah. Which I definitely was going to say go support, but apparently it don't need your support. <laughs> it's doing just fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go see that. We've just skipped a few what to watches. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood still out in theaters, so definitely something you don't want to miss out on. Lion King still out? I just saw it. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> did you see it? I did. How was it? It's fine. It's it. Um, it's a achievement. Okay. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, other big news I wanted to mention earlier before we do the outro is Gold Derby came out with their first rankings this week. Yeah. On David's birthday, appropriately. Oh, I know. Thank you. <laughs> um, for their Oscar odds for the big five and supporting categories. Mm-hmm. So, check that out. We'll have a little article up, or not really an article, but something up on the website. Yeah, we'll figure something out where I think we're going to try to update every month. We TJ and I kind of do this unofficially, as every month we have to do our ratings, or our, our predictions. It'd be fun to make it public. Just so people can actually tell us how bad we are, because yeah. I think last year my August predictions included Ad Astra, <laughs> which has <laughs> still not come out. <laughs> yeah. So, that'll be fun. Um, anybody else got anything? No, I'm I don't think so. I'm yeah. pretty creeped out. I'm yeah, ready. I know, right? Fuck. I'm glad it's still like I'm glad it's like four o'clock. Yeah, go watch some cartoons. Yeah, watch some baseball. <laughs> this has been Talking Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Be sure to uh, hop online, check us out, see our stuff at the website, which I just mentioned, and the Facebook groups, Movies by Us, TV by Us, and Video Games. Video Games? Games by Us. Games by Us. Uh, and the Media Bias page doesn't get as much love as I want it to, so go like that, and uh, that's where you'll get the podcast and any articles that pop up will mm-hmm. automatically share to your feed. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Gmail, but the website and Facebook is really the main places to find us. I want to thank the intro music of the Willow Walkers. The Willow Walkers! And the outro music is always by Burrito. Burrito. Thank you, David. Thank you, TJ. Thanks, Al. Thank you, David. Thank you, Al. Thank you, TJ. Good dog, lady. Bye. Bye, lady. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things.